1977, my wife Miriam and I and our two kids started attending Life Bible Fellowship Church. It wasn't at this location, it was at a different location. And uh, at the time, I was 26 years old. I was in the private business sector, and I was really enjoying my job. I thought this was going to be my career for my life. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time already, but at that time, God was doing some new things in my life spiritually. He was challenging me, growing me in some key and essential ways. And the reason we came to LBF was to find a place that was involved in pursuing an authentic and real relationship with Jesus Christ. And we found it there. On the very first Sunday, I know we found it. Never even went back to the church I was at before. And, and, and we started getting involved in serving and, and helping and doing whatever we could. But it was really to my surprise that just a little over three years after that, the founding pastor, the one who started this church, asked me to join the LBF staff. What was he thinking? <laughs> I really wonder. I mean, that would mean I was going to leave my my enjoyable business sector job and become the first church business administrator. Well, at least it had the word business in it. That would be good. You know, it took me six months really to make up, make a decision. I really, this was a big deal for me at the time. It was really was. I remember going to my uh, Miriam's dad and asking his counsel. I remember going to my dad asking his counsel. I remember talking to Miriam and it really took us six months to make that decision. And there were a lot of things when I got here to get working on right away. I mean, it was a big mess, quite frankly. But one of the things I was asked to do was to attend the weekly pastoral staff meetings. I mean, really, a business guy going to a pastoral staff meeting. What was it? He was going to say, this is not an eight to five business job you just jumped into, Gary. Okay, thank you. Here I was, this typical young-minded business guy sitting in on spiritual and ministry discussions with all the pastors of the church at that time. And that alone, I got to tell you, was pretty intimidating, sitting with those guys, hoping they don't ask me a question that I can't answer because I haven't been to school yet. And oh, there was always the time of prayer at the end of our meeting. And I remember hearing the prayers of these guys, these pastors, and thinking, wow, these guys really know how to pray. I'm glad I came to this church. You know, they know how to speak to God in a way that I wish I could speak that way. But I didn't. I didn't know how to speak to God that way. And even more intimidating was the realization, you know where I'm going with this. They expected me to pray and join them and pray out loud. What is that about? I have to pray out loud. I go, oh, man. I was so self-conscious. I would sit in this office up there. I still, the office is still there. And I, and I knew I couldn't pray like them, but, but I felt like the new guy on the staff. I got to be able to at least try and hold my own with these guys. I know they've been to school. They're smarter and all these things than I am, but I got to pray. And I had this great fear of praying out loud. How many of you have pray, fear of praying out loud? Come on, be honest. Yeah, we're all, there's this journey we go on. I don't want to pray out loud. You know, but I kept thinking... If I'm going to say something, I want it to be right. I don't want it to be theologically wrong. These guys know more than me. I mean, if I might say something stupid. I might say something, you know, like didn't make sense or I didn't have a good grammatical complete sentence that I'm praying in. All these things. I didn't want to look at me and say, boy, we really made a mistake when we hired Gary, you know, because of my prayer life. You see, the truth was that at that time, my motive for praying with these guys was all in the wrong place. 
It really was. I mean, my motive was to try and look good in front of these guys, these fellow pastors. And because of this, my prayers were more than likely, possibly, probably, yes, they were missing the mark. And, that's, and what's true today is that is still obviously clear. If our motives are to look good in front of other people, then we're praying for the wrong reasons. Pull out your insert. So on that insert, the very top has the beginning of what I want to leave us with today. It's, our, it's the one key thought. It's the big idea, if you will. It's what I want you to remember as you walk out of this room today. That when Jesus is our king, prayer becomes about building a close and authentic relationship with God. Nothing else. Prayer is not looking good in front of other people. Prayer is not about using God for my purposes. Prayer isn't about getting things from God that I think I want and need. Prayer isn't a button I push ever whenever I need something. It's a relationship. Prayer is a relationship to be pursued. And you know, in any relationship, a relationship is only as good as the type and the frequency of communication we have with the people we're having a friendship or relationship with, and that's true with God. Our relationship with God is only as good as our communication with God and us taking time to listen about his communication with us. That's what a relationship is. And when our motives are in the right place, our goals and our desires are simply to build on this relationship with the one true living When our motives are right, we're focused solely on relating to him and him alone. See, we're in this series called Who is Your King, right? And today is part two of this, or part one of part two, not part one of part two, part one of two parts, all about prayer. See, that's, yeah. (laughs) We're going to cover Matthew chapter six, verses five through eight. So I can just be real in front of you guys. I hope you still love me in the midst of that. See, what we're going to be reading are the very words of Jesus. Just think about that for a minute with me. Would you think, because when I was going, I'm going, these are the red letters. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke these words. And we have them recorded for us because this cool guy named Matthew, he wrote down everything he saw and knows about Jesus and even quoted him as he was traveling with him for three years or so when he was on earth. And then all of these things that Matthew wrote down have been well looked over for all these thousands of years so that today we keep in mind we have the very words of Jesus, the words of the Son of God, the one that we put our faith and belief in. Am I the only one excited about that? I just think it's amazing. I think it's truly a gift from God. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn and pray like Jesus does. I want him to be my teacher. And as we get into this this morning, we learned that there was this parallel passage in Luke. talks about a similar time about this prayer and the Sermon on the Mount and all that. And one day, Jesus' followers notice he's not there anymore. He's gone out away from them to pray. And when he had finished praying, he comes back, he rejoins the group, and one of the disciples had the courage to ask him the question that probably all of them were thinking, Master, would you teach us how to pray? I mean, they hadn't heard him that moment, but, but, but pray like what? I mean, what did they want him to, to teach them? I mean, what had they seen that prompted them to say, I want to pray like you, Jesus? Was it the language you used? Do you think he used complicated theological terms when he prayed? Do you think he was dramatic like I am today, moving my arms and my hands all around, and they they wanted to be like that? You know, maybe there were some special effects when he prayed. (laughs) Probably not. I don't think so. But, But I think they could sense 
the depth of the spiritual oneness that Jesus had with the Heavenly Father. They saw this relationship over a period of time that Jesus had with the Father when he knelt to pray. And they said, I want that. I want what you have, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus' followers saw something in the way that Jesus related to his Father, and they were humble enough to say, teach us to pray like that, Jesus. So next week, Dan's going to cover what's known as the Lord's Prayer, and it's a model for how to pray. But this morning, I want us, before we get into the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is talking in these four verses about prayer. And I want us to consider what it means about have to have the, the right kind of relationship with God in prayer. The question is, how can we build a relationship with God through prayer? I mean, what is it that contributes to this building a close and authentic relationship with God? The God of creation, the God of the universe, the God who made everything we see, including us. I mean, he wants a relationship with us. And so the first thing I want to propose to you today is this. Number one, we build a relationship with God by praying sincerely. I was expecting a big fancy word, Gary. No, we, pray, we build a relationship with God by praying sincerely. Look at verse five. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And when you pray, <coughs> when you pray, not if you pray. There's a huge assumption here. I mean, Jesus starts off by saying, hey, you're going to be praying when you pray, not if you pray. He doesn't say if you pray because he sees no prayer is not an option for life. Because when you pray, you pray as a necessity of everyday life. You pray it to build this relationship with God. See, prayer is not some addendum we add to our life. Prayer is not something we run to only when we have an emergency or a crisis and we want God to intervene. Instead, it's at the very heart of our lives because it reflects the deepest relationship we will ever have. A relationship with God. Martin Luther he lived a long time ago. He said this, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So it is the business of Christians. I mean, Jesus assumes that you and I as followers of Jesus are gonna pray. He assumes that is part of belonging to him, but now comes a warning, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because beware of hypocrisy. We don't know what hypocrisy is, it's pretending. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. That's not the way to pray, Jesus says. See, in, 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 the, in this time, there, there were people who, whose prayer was nothing more than a performance. There were certain customary times to pray, like three times to pray a day, all the way back to the book of Daniel, when Daniel prayed. They were carrying on that tradition, so they had these automatic times that they would pray throughout the day, and these people made it a point that when those times came, they were to go out and be seen by other people. I mean, they'd go to some public place where everyone could see them, where they'd stand up in the service, and they would, they would make sure that everyone could see their prayer and hear them praying. They got a lot of attention, and maybe when their prayer was over, they left and smiled. Boy, that was fun. 
I don't know. Maybe they did that. So they stood on the street corners or got up during the service. And they prayed this prayer that everyone would remember. And Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't be like them. That's not what prayer is all about. He says these people may be claiming to talk with God, but in reality they're talking to the people around them. Their motive is not to relate to God at all in worship, but to impress people. And this really hit home for me years ago in those early days of ministry here at LBF because in those staff meetings, I wasn't praying to God uh, who has a heart of love, who knows me, wants me to connect with him. I was praying to what? You know, impress my fellow. You can talk to me. Pastors. God says, with this kind of prayer, people get exactly what they're looking for. Look at the end of verse 5. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, those who pray to impress people get the reward of impressed people. That's all. Prayer doesn't mean anything to God because it isn't directed toward him. It really wasn't a prayer to him or for him. And so he really doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And I really think it can be easy even today for us to slip into that kind of prayer. We have to be alert and aware. I mean, today we don't see people on street corners praying, right? They do a lot of other things on street corners, but they're not praying, right? But we're in somebody's life group, and we're sitting around in a small group of maybe 10 to 12 people, and someone's home, and it's time for prayer, and, and it can be hard to be sincere and to, to really be praying to God and to God alone. I mean, people, listen, they've shared their personal desires and personal prayer requests, and maybe we're focused on trying to remember what those requests were, exactly what they said, and we want to get that right, and, and maybe we're focused on trying to say the right words, and we make it sound like, hey, I pray all the time like this, aren't I great? You know, and maybe we, this is the only time we really pray when others are around, and we can lose the reality of our prayers as sincere prayers to God the Father who's hearing us. See, our focus is to be solely on God. Other people are just simply listening. Anybody remember the Dome of Silence from the TV series called Get Smart? How many remember that? All the white-haired people do. Okay. So you remember that, or, or else it's on reruns and whatever we watch, okay? But in, in, in that old TV show, whenever Max wanted a private conversation with the chief, you remember what happened, right? Call down the dome of silence. There's this big, giant plastic thing, big enough for two people, and it'd come from somewhere out off the screen and come down over them, and, 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 and it would just cover the two of them. And so Max knew that he could talk to the chief and no one would hear. That's kind of a corny illustration, I know, but... But it's what prayer should be like between you and the chief, you and God. See, when you pray, no matter how crowded the room, no matter who's listening, enter that place where you can work on having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God and him alone. Because prayer can easily move into becoming a performance, saying the right words at the right way, smoothly, loudly, clearly, pausing for the right kind of effect, you know? And unfortunately, all of that behavior gets our focus off of sincere relationship with God that he wants from us and when we talk to him. We're too concerned about getting it right because other people are listening and we want our prayers to sound good to them. Then we're missing the point if that's the way we pray. Jesus says, that's not the kind of prayer I want, to, I want you to learn. So he doesn't leave us there, of course. He goes to verse 6, and he says, here's how I want you to pray. He says how you should pray. But when, again, not if, but when you pray, here's how you do. You go into your room, you close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees, you're speaking of God, who sees what is done in secret, 
will reward you. Pretty clear, wouldn't you say? So Jesus says that we're to pray sincerely. When we pray sincerely, we go into our room, we pray alone, and our Father, who sees this kind of sincerity, this kind of importance we're putting on prayer in seeking after him and and our aloneness, not the applause of people, he says, is gonna reward you. So what do you think the reward is? We're talking about prayer. I think the reward is that God hears our prayers, he goes to work on our prayers, and he's answering our prayers. See, when you pray, make it a prayer just between you and God. Go somewhere where you can't be seen, and God, who also can't be seen, will meet you there. Now, speaking of can't be seen, I got a confession to make this morning. It's not gonna disqualify me from being up here, but I do have a confession to make for you. It's really hard for me to pray that kind of way. It's hard for me to pray because, God, I can't see. I mean, I like people. I like, like to think I'm a people person. I like to talk to people, and I can see people like I can see you, right? But I can't see God. So when I'm praying all by myself, usually very early in the morning, uh, I get easily distracted. Anybody else have that problem when you're praying? You get easily distracted? I mean, my mind can wander. It does all the time anyway. But my mind can wander. And suddenly I realize that somewhere about five minutes ago, I somehow stopped praying and thinking about my day. I see some smiles on your faces. (laughs) I know you're right there with me, right? (laughs) So here's a sidebar. Here's two things that I do that I want to share with you to help you with this because it helps me. Here's number one. I always keep a pad of paper next to me whenever I'm praying. So when those things come, those distractions, and they may even be a spiritual battle where Satan's trying to get you off of your connection point with God, I write those things down. I got to do this today. I got to do that today. I got to pick up the milk or whatever I have to do. I write it down and then I can let my mind be free and I can get back to praying, right? Praying with a God who loves me, who wants to connect with me, who wants to let me listen to what he has to say to me. Here's the second thing. It helps me to pray out loud. So even if I'm alone, trying to wake up my wife, I'm downstairs, she's upstairs. I'm praying out loud, because why? This keeps me staying focused and connected with God. This week I was outside, (laughs) middle of the day, I was outside sitting in a chair, and and I started, I applied this. I started praying out loud. I'm going, I wonder what my neighbors are thinking. Talking to myself, what's going on here? I'm talking to somebody. But this really helps me stay focused. Pray out loud, even if you're alone. So I hope this maybe helps you, if you can relate to this, like I need this kind of help. Anyway, we'll get back to it. So here we get back to it. So I don't think that this verse means that all prayer must be done in private. Not all prayer. I mean, Jesus prayed sometimes out loud with his disciples present. And if Jesus was forbidding all public prayer, then clearly the early church didn't understand because whenever they gathered as a church, they prayed together, out loud, together, as a group. Just check out the book of Acts, starting with the first chapter. You'll see this. Jesus is not condemning public prayer, but he's condemning public prayer for the purpose of putting on a show in an attempt to win the respect of other people. See, praying in public is very appropriate when practiced with the right motives. But I also believe that public prayer should represent the overflow of our vibrant, personal, private prayer life. Was that a lot of Ps? Personal, private prayer life. In other words, praying in public should come from our heart and it should not be the only place we pray. I think it's important to very be precise with what I think Jesus is saying here. He is not saying you've done something wrong if, you, if, 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 if people hear your prayer. 
He's saying he's not even, you haven't done anything wrong if people are impressed with your prayer. He's saying it's wrong to pray for the purpose of impressing people. So let me encourage you, those of you who raised your hand, who are afraid of or don't like to pray in, in public, out loud, this is not an excuse for you not to pray out loud in, in, in public. But let me suggest, if you feel uncomfortable in this, praying in front of people, work at just trying to forget they're in the room. I mean, when you get into this prayer, you know, we have these positions of prayer or, or postures of prayer, and they're always like, fold your hands. How many of you tell your kids, fold your hands, sit, bow your heads, close your eyes, you get into that, you can block out everyone that's around you. Ignore the fact that they're there. It doesn't really matter what they think anyway. This is between you and God, so just express your own real thoughts in your own words, in your own way. Be yourself. This is a learning experience. I mean, God already knows you. He knows your thoughts. He loves you, so just talk to him, and don't worry about the fact that some people may be listening. And if they come up and want to criticize your prayer, say, well, it wasn't for you anyway, it was for God. <laughs> me and God, he understands, he knows me. I can use that language with him. I can, I can have an incomplete sentence. I can have a dangling participle in my prayer, it's okay. <laughs> okay? Now, I know this is easier said than done, right? But, but that's how I have personally, over the years, moved from having the wrong motives when praying, like I did in those early years with the pastors, to praying in public today. What he's trying to say is that prayer is something you say to God, even if it's out loud and other people can hear it. But remember, you're not talking to those other people. Prayer is simply conversing with God in the realness of who you are. You're just letting them listen on in your communication. So what are we to do? We're to pray honestly, openly, frankly, naturally, with our hearts to God. Even, with your other, even if you're with other people. And keeping your communication just between you and God. That's sincere prayer. You want to build an authentic and close relationship with God? Have a sincerity in your prayer. Prayer to the Father who has this heart of love for you and wants to relate to you. Now there's a second thing that Jesus talks about in the next two verses. Here is what it is. We build a relationship with God by praying confidently. So we pray sincerely and we pray confidently. Those are the two things we're going to work on. So the second underlying principle that Jesus mentions is that we need to pray confidently. This whole idea of confidence may not be immediately apparent as we go through these verses. So just hang with me and hopefully I can bring that out and share with you why I believe that's what's in, this, in these verses. Verse 7 and 8 says, And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Pagans are people who do not know God the way we know God. That's what it means. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So I'm going to cover all those things as we go through these two verses. So in, in many ancient religions, they had the idea that someone could persuade the little gods, you know, not God the Father, but a little God that they believed in to act if they just said some magic words or if these magic words were repeated over and over and over again. And this word babbling <laughs> literally translated means bada, 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 bada. Does that make any sense? Literally, B-A-T-T-A. -T -T -A. Trust me. 
bad, 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 bad. I mean, it's, it's really useless and it's really meaningless, but it's this repetition. And there's an example of this meaningless stuff that happens for a very long time in 1 Kings chapter 18, where the priests of Baal, little, little G God, Baal, continued from morning until noon and they're crying out. Here's what they cried out for about five hours. O Baal, answer us. O Baal, answer us. O Baal, answer us. Can you imagine doing that for five hours? This is what we're not to be about. You can picture this, this example of babbling. It's a person who repeats the same words over and over and over without thinking, kind of like an incantation. So here's what we might put, what Jesus is trying to say here in these verses. Believers are not to babble in their prayers as those people who really do not know God, but are instead to pray with confidence, knowing that their Father knows what they need before they even ask. I think Jesus is saying to us as believers today that, that we're not to think, we're not to pray like people who have no knowledge of God, <laughs> who think he's more likely to hear us and do something if we wear him out by repeating it in these short little go da 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 with their words. Kind of like, you ever seen in a grocery store a child who is walking near the checkout time with his mother or father and, and they see this candy or this gum and they're going, I want that, 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 I want that. You tired of hearing that yet? I want that, I want that, I want that. And what does the mother do? Maybe, depends on how strong she is, but maybe the mother gives in just to stop that child from nagging. Jesus says, don't be like that. These people demonstrate nothing by their prayers except a lack of the true knowledge of God. Jesus said, God our Father and as much knows that we need what we need before we even ask. And this is where I see this idea of confidence coming in. Our Father already knows what we need. We don't need to try and appease him. We don't need to beat him up into submission by our many words. Apparently Jesus is saying, God wants to answer our requests. Let me pause for a minute and go over to 1 John. The Apostle John writes this. It's up on the screen. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, there's the qualifier, according to his will, he hears us. Like a loving heavenly father, he listens to the desires of you and me, who he calls his children. And we know, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. That's a bold statement. It's a very bold statement of John. See, we pray with this great deal of confidence that God is listening. The expectation of getting what we've asked for is, of course, linked to what? Praying according to his will. So, you know, some answers are immediate. Some are later. Some, as I've talked with people, were experienced after a person died. <laughs> They've been praying for years and years and years, let's say, for a person to come to faith. The person didn't come to faith until the person doing the prayer had died. The point is, when we pray in full agreement with the Father's will, we can know that we have our requests. Another thing you may be asking here this morning is, why do we need to pray at all if he knows what we need? Why don't we just say, okay, God, you know what I need? Bring it on. Why don't we just do that? Here's why. Prayer is not like sending an order to Amazon.com and getting it in two days. That's not what it's like at all. That's not what it's like. 
Prayer is what develops our intimate and close and personal relationship with an abundantly loving God who happens to know us deeply. And his knowledge of us should encourage us toward confidence and focused prayer. Here goes another child situation. So a child kind of maybe someday has this need for candy, right? And the, and the parent considers a son or daughter's long-term needs, you know, like, okay, if I give you this candy right now, you're going to be wound up for a few hours. And maybe I'll be going to the dentist a little faster than I wanted to because you're going to get a cavity. And this is not really good for you. It's too All these things that are considered by the parent before the decision is made to give the candy will stretch that parent's concern and perspective into the infinite division, d- dimension that of a, you have of a loving God. Stretch the parent's concern and perspective to an infinite dimension because you have a God who is loving and caring for you and he has concern for you. Though God already knows we should not hesitate to ask. We don't pray to give them information. <laughs> we pray to express our needs, our desires, and to acknowledge our dependence on God as our loving Heavenly Father. You're going to learn more about that part of our prayers next week when we get into this part two on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to learn about how to pray for some specific things. What did Jesus include in the things that we ought to be praying about? You're not going to want to miss next week. Even if you've memorized or you've said the Lord's Prayer in a worship service over and over and you already think, I know this stuff. Come, come, be here. Open your hearts and minds to learn something new. See, prayer does not beg favors from a reluctant parent. Prayer develops trust that says, God the Father knows best. Bring your requests confidently to the Lord. Now with this idea of many words, I don't think Jesus is forbidding long prayers or all repetition. It's meaningless repetition he's talking about. Jesus prayed at length. In fact, you can see recorded in the Gospel of Luke that he prayed all night, repeating himself. And then as you look at Matthew, you can remember on the last night of Jesus' life on this earth, we all know where he was before he went to the cross. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane specifically to pray, and he wanted his guys to come and pray with him, and they just couldn't deal with the all-night kind of thing. But Jesus did as he wrestled with God over and over again all night long. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I'll do your will. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this but I want to do your will. That was not a one and done kind of prayer. Another time Jesus told a parable to his followers as Jesus said, they should always pray and not give up. So we're not talking about uh, not repeating your prayers or not uh, having long prayers. It's what we pray about that's important. His point is that when we're praying, people should avoid those meaningless types of repetitive prayers offered under the misunderstanding that mere length will make our prayers more effective. If I just pray for 20 minutes, God will really hear me. i got to go at least 20 minutes because if I don't go 20 minutes, I'm not sure he's going to hear me. That's the wrong attitude. God is always ready <coughs> to listen He's not going to be manipulated by a long prayer. Share your heart. Think relationship. Think of friendships that you have and how you converse with people. Because babbling to get God's attention and to manipulate him to get what you want is just foolish. It doesn't go anywhere. Because the Father is aware at all times of this children, you and my needs, even before we ask. Okay, so there's the four verses. I want to wrap this up by saying a couple things. Prayer is about changing us, our character, 
our will, our values, even while we are seeking God's response. Prayer is opening up our life to God. It's inviting him to act in our lives. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is being willing to accept his will in our lives. And all of this and so much more is why I think prayer is relational. It's about relationship. So the last thing on your outline just says this. When Jesus is your king, your prayer time with God will be conversational. Time for speaking. Time for listening. It's personal. You're not holding anything back. You're sharing all of your desires with God. Even though you think he may know everything, you still share your heart. It's got to be genuine. God knows you, so you don't need to be fake. You don't need to put on a show. You don't have to have some special word to use. That's the magic word. No, 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 no. Just be yourself. And it needs to be continual. What do I mean by that? Is that there's this ongoing conversation between you and God. It it, it may be like you've prayed and then throughout the day something comes to your mind. And so whether you do it silently or out loud, you're keeping the conversation. Hey, God, I really, I need that. I need the promise of that scripture again about being anxious for nothing. I'm anxious right now. Whatever it is, it's an ongoing conversation with God the Father. So before we leave today, I actually quit a little early. How about that? So, you saw me keep looking at the clock. I want to end this morning with just some silence before the Lord. I don't want you to pray out loud. I just really want you to take this idea of a sincere prayer before the Lord and a confident prayer before the Lord. And whatever you've heard from the Lord today through me, I want to ask you just to take two minutes It's going to seem like a long time. Two minutes to pray and to share with God your heart and your desires and come before him boldly and then I will end us with an out loud prayer. Okay? So just bow your heads and I'll know you're praying then (laughs) and we'll, we'll pray for a couple of minutes. Would you do that?
Father in heaven, we come as a group of people gathered here this morning to build on wherever we're at in our relationship with you. We confess that sometimes it's hard because we don't see you. It's a little different than the relationships we have with people we can see, but God, we want to have this growing relationship knowing that you love us carefully and perfectly. God, I pray you would grow us as individuals and as a church in praying with sincerity, praying from our hearts, praying words that speak truth to you from us, not being concerned about what other people are hearing, but just simply offering our words to you and our desires to you and our acknowledgement of who you are in our lives in such a huge and meaningful way. And God, may we come before what's called the throne of grace boldly, as Scripture says. May we approach it knowing that you want us to approach it. And even though you may know what you know, you want to hear from us so that we might grow in our relationship with you. God, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to spend some time in these four verses personally. And I want to pray you continue to grow me and grow our church in what it means to have a sincere and confident prayer life with you as we build our relationship with you. We ask these things in your son's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.